I think that individually just being there for somebody, being open for a conversation with somebody whenever, you never know what people are going through, you know. My name is Quinn Patterson. I play defensive line at the University of Toronto. And you're listening to At 55. Hello and welcome to At the 55, your home for OUA football. Today we have another episode of The Talk. Dakota isn't with me today. He's dealing with a little self-care of his own, which always happy about. Joining us, we have Quinn Patterson, offensive lineman, going into his third year or third year at the University of Toronto. Quinn, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? You know, just hanging in there as, as best as we can with the circumstances. Um, so, you know, having this talk with student athletes and and people around the sport about the connection with mental health and football or whatever their sport of choice is. And one of the things in sort of researching you and understanding you a bit of your story that I, I'm curious about is from Surrey, BC, yeah. on the left coast, come all the way to, to you know, the the great Toronto, the big smoke, the big the six, whatever, um, and living in you know this massive metropolis. How was that for you transitioning? Obviously, you're in your third year now, but kind of looking back to what mm-hmm. your experience at the school has been, uh, not just living away from home, like because I lived, I went to Guelph, and I'm from Toronto. Pretty easy car ride or bus ride to get back, but when it's a serious commitment to travel, how has that been for you as a player? Well, like definitely the first like week or so was like tough from training camp, meeting everybody else. But like after like the first month, guarantee like you have a nice friend group going on. You understand like most teammates kind of know the names. Just getting like a good group of friends happening after a little while and just help you out throughout the years. So what was your recruiting process like coming to Toronto? Cause uh like had you visited Toronto much, whether for recruiting or just for vacation. It's, it's always funny for me to think that people do take vacations in Toronto having lived here my whole life, but I know from having met a lot of people not from the city, that is just the truth. What was sort of your perception of being in the city in particular, particular with U of T's campus right in the heart of sort of downtown? I was from like, Surrey. it's like kind of not only, it's not too country, I'm like kind of suburbs sort of. And it's like coming out here is not much of changes. Everything seemed closer. In the city, like you walk to the grocery store, said take taking the car or something. It's a nice change, but like, so what's question again? Oh, I was just asking a little bit about what your experience prior to coming to U of T and sort of your perception of yeah. Toronto from when you were living out in Surrey to actually moving here and living here. How that sort of changed about, like you said, not not country with Surrey, but a little more sub, uh, suburban to living like in the urban downtown concrete jungle of Toronto. Yeah, so there's definitely a change. Like in BC, there's definitely a lot more like trees around and stuff. So coming to Toronto, it's like more like a concrete everywhere kind of thing. Patch the grass. But, like my first time I came to Toronto was my visit actually, and there was like negative forty, winds blowing, coaches walking around the campus trying to show me around, or walking through buildings trying to stay warm, that kind of thing. And like I found out like that was like one of the worst storms you had that winter, and it just happened to me one week I came. <laughs> So which 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 winter are we talking then? Uh, twenty eighteen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Seventeen. End of the year. Start start of the year. You know, one of the things we did a series of interviews 
dating back to sort of the fall, late fall of, of 2020 with some ex-student uh, athletes that we called the life after football. And mm-hmm. in that, we were kind of talking a bit about sort of the, 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 what the conversation here is about in terms of mental health, a little, uh, a few other topics in that as well. But with a few of the athletes that we spoke with who, who went to U of T, part of the conversation was about the, the I guess, educational or the academic expectation of a school like U of T that is different from a number of other schools and how that impacts you as a student athlete. Having now been at the school for, for three years, how do you feel, and obviously you only have your experience with U of T, you don't know what it's like at other schools, but I'm sure you have friends at other programs or you know people at other programs. Do you find that that academic the requirement being as so much more, so much greater than perhaps other schools. Does that, does how much does that factor in for you as a student athlete? I knew it was gonna be like more like focused on school kind of sort of matter schools. Like the entry point was higher and everything to get in, but like once you're here, it's much different. I feel like you know, if you want to do good, you just you study. If you don't want to do good, you can just, you know you know you know what you have to do. And the team provides lots of support and stuff. Well, then on that subject of teams providing support, because that. You know, when I was at Guelph, there was plenty of academic, uh, a lot of academic support. Of course, every team's going to have physiotherapy, things of that nature. But there's this somewhat underappreciated piece. It's, of course, what we're talking about here today, which is the mental health, uh, our mental health side of, of it. What type of resources, if if any, and, you know, we're not here to obviously badmouth any program or anything like that, if if these uh, if these procedures or these um, resources aren't in place but what if any resources do you as a student or specifically a student athlete have at UFT in terms of whether it's counseling or anything like that just for when like the days just gets really heavy on you and you just need someone to reach out to I mean the coaches always hand out the numbers and stuff you always call them but you're going through the school there's like um, a number you call and if you mention you're like an athlete or something you get like higher priority than like um, I guess a regular student would so you're going to get clicker access to the mental health support. Do you find, and obviously it's a very personal thing for guys, so maybe just guys aren't sort of sharing these stories with each other and whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But do you find people are taking advantage of that resource? Because it's somewhat, once again, referring to some of the conversations we've had, it seems like a lot of guys, and particularly when you get to later part in your career, or in some cases when the career is all said and done, and it's like, oh, wait, I could have been, you know, I could have been getting like, you know, a discount on dental work. I could have been getting, you know, physio for this kind. Like, do you find that that's a resource that people are aware of and, and are taking advantage of it, or is it just another one of those things that, for whatever reason, people just aren't accessing? No, definitely. Not, but like every year, the coaches have a PowerPoint for us to go through, like everything from like team conduct to like mental health, to academic sport, all that stuff. It doesn't matter your first year. Or every year, you always like check it out. You always have to watch it. So with going back to the last year we had football, which unfortunately we have to go all the way back to 2019, which despite yeah. being a, a non-playoff year for UFT was perhaps the most exciting and most talked yeah. about UFT football season in surely a decade, if not longer. Coming off the back of years, your, your year prior where, you know, it was kind of a more standard fare. You know, Clay was there showing signs that there could be something in the works here to that 2019 season where it's when that season started, it was like, holy smokes, like, you know, 
we know how the season played out, but like, wow, there's actually some potential. For you as a student athlete, kind of contrasting being on a team where on the one hand, you know, it's there's not all that much optimism to, on the other hand, even though the season might not have played out as you wanted, it's like, hey, you know, we got something here. How does that affect how does that affect you on a personal level just in terms of the success or even if it's not the actual success, the potential, the optimism surrounding a team versus just, oh, it's another, it's going to be another slog of a year. Like, you know, maybe we can, you know, get a couple games versus like, no, we're contenders. We're competing against the top teams in this league. Well, definitely, like, definitely like sparks like a, a, like a hope in us and like wants us to do better. Like we see the potential and like, we see like gives motivation for like even right now like we look back last year we see that we have potential we can do we can be great we can do better you look back and like you look back 2019 see what you can do see what you didn't do and like now you look at it and see like yeah i can do this now this year to be better i think a lot of guys on our team are doing that this year it's like looking back and then seeing how they can improve and for you just as a student athlete because most guys when they make it to this level of football you're it's it's usually you're coming from being a big fish in a smaller pond and then the pond gets a little bigger and then as you get better the pond shrinks a little bit and if you're fortunate enough you go to the next level and so on and so forth but for a lot of guys it can be difficult that transition from probably dominating high school whether it's playing provincial team team bc or or what have you or people who play on team canada all these things where you are top dog you're winning games to mm. all of a sudden winning isn't as sure a thing and sometimes it doesn't come by how, how just from the competitive standpoint because that's you know to be at playing at this level you obviously have to have that competitive drive yeah. w- what does that kind of do for you when you you go into a program knowing that like it, it, it's not it might not be the same football as i've been used to at least in terms of just the wins and loss column mm-hmm. like it's definitely a humble experience but like my first couple of years of football I played over, they call it community out there in NBC. And like at first, like, it started 2012, maybe like 2014, 2015, even like we just had a losing season every year. And I just like kept playing just because I like playing. And then like we went up to like 2017, 2018, I think I won a couple of rings that year. And then um, coming out to Toronto, I knew like they had the best record, but like they were talking about like improving everything, like getting people from all over Canada to come out and just working. Yeah, new head coach and everything. It's all working great. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you say, it's clearly on the right trajectory. And, you know, this is a very pro UFT, pro pro clan, the bird gang specifically podcast. So we're, we're always pulling uh, to see the, the double blue or I mean, not the double blue, that's the Argos, but the, the varsity blues um, have a successful year. Um, so, you know, we kind of mentioned a bit of the resources you have available and, uh, you know, Dakota and I it's a bit older than you and it seems though though it's not you know decades apart in in maybe these i guess five or six years since we stopped playing to just the environment of the game now the conversation around mental health and just the the comfortability that players and coaches have with realizing that and you know it's, it seems silly to think that it took us this long to get here but it is what it is that hey just like you need to be able to make sure your grades are good make sure your body's right that you're getting your physical training in to make sure that the mental side of the game um or pardon me that your own mental health is good to be able to um create the best product on the field for yourself like i said not being not with the biggest age gap between us but 
I feel like in more recent years, that's become more prominent. How have you seen in your time growing up playing football teams and coaches you've been affiliated with? Was this always something for yourself playing football where that was a concern? Or have you also sort of seen in recent years it become more of a um, more of a talking point, more of something that teams are putting an emphasis on? It's definitely more of a talking point because like throughout the years, I never really did the teams, the coaches never did anything for mental health. Like, now he's like everyone's part of like certain something like you know Bell let's talk there's hashtags all that stuff, but like, there's always something going more going on like in the background usually, you know one really notices and then. And so then on that point, and you know never expecting any the guys we bring on to have the answers to these, but just you know brainstorming for the sake of it, what type of because like I said, just from the time I stopped playing to sort of the state of the way I see football here in Ontario and really in Canada at the amateur level, and I think the pros do a pretty good job of it too, the mental health side of things is really ramped up. But just for the sake of brainstorming, what do you think would be uh, the tools or resources that teams, schools, or maybe it's a cultural thing, things that would be able to take it from the level we're at now, which when we contrast it with years prior, it's like, yeah, we can definitely see that progress that has been made. But assuming that there is still a way to go, what would you think or what would you speculate are things that can be done, whether at a, the individual level, the institutional level of schools and not just the teams, but, you know, U of T as a school or, or Guelph as a university, all those things that help us get from the point we are now to to being able to, to, to make it even better. Mm-hmm. I think that individually just being there for somebody, being open for a conversation with somebody whenever you never know what people are going through, you know? Do you think that sometimes the, the, the sport of football itself, just the culture around it, which is always very, I mean, and I, I've said this a, a number of times now having these talks, but you know, it's a, it's a tough sport. We know that. And you have to be tough to obviously play it, but there's, there's tough in that, like, you know, you can take a hit, you can get back up, all that, just in a very physical iteration of, of what the word means. And then there's the mental toughness, which is important too, but sometimes it it bleeds into this other aspect of our lives where we maintain this tough facade, perhaps at the detriment of being able to have those candid conversations with teammates, friends, and coaches. Do you think that something about the sport itself perhaps lends itself to preventing that? Or is it just a matter of, you know, as more people open up about that, the game won't necessarily change, but just as individuals, as we become more comfortable opening up and talking with our brothers and teammates about it, that, like I said, everything that goes on on the field will remain the same, that toughness, but that when we step off the field, we'll have that comfortability talking to one another. Mr. Gaston, what needs to change for that to happen? I'm sorry? You're asking what needs to change for that to happen? Well, I guess I'm, I'm speculating whether the... <laughs> whether because of the nature of the game of football and this idea of toughness that is integral to being able to have success in the game of football, whether that can perhaps be the cause at times of, you know, especially for, for young men, the idea of being open with your peers and your friends can be more difficult that because of the nature of the game of football itself and how we're coached to play it, whether that maybe affects the way we then have conversations with each other off the field or whether, you know, the game of football essentially can remain the same. And just by having these conversations with one another and just creating more of a culture in our society of being more open to one another, that that'll 
lead to, to sort of a more positive environment for everyone. Do you, do you kind of get what I'm, I'm saying there? Yeah. And definitely like, you definitely taught like mental, mental toughness as a, as a player, you know, like forget the next play whenever this, this one's more important kind of thing. So like definitely like, I feel like I have more like deeper conversations with my friends who are on, on a football team. Hmm. So like, I feel like there's almost like a wall kind of sort of like, when, once you pass that, like, you can't go back, you can't go back or anything. And you want your teammates to see you as like someone like mentally tough and strong and all that. You know, that's, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just, I, it's interesting the way you mentioned that because in my last two years playing at Guelph, I was living with my, my friend who I'd met through the team, but through injuries, he had to step away. Mm-hmm. And while I could commiserate with him about all the sort of things going on in the football field and the team, because he'd had so much experience, I always felt this wanting to still live with a, a current player just because as much as from the outside, if you've had experience with the team, you can understand it. There's there's being able to know what's going on, and there's another to sort of actively be living it. And there was a time where I kind of felt that disconnect. But to your point as well, sometimes with the teammates, it can be a little more difficult to have those conversations for all those reasons you highlighted, you know? Yeah. So, you know, kind of covered, you know, sort of the state of mental health in sports. Um, it, you know, I, I'm curious just from, uh, from from you playing a lot, you know, growing up BC and p- playing football there to now three years with the team and obviously you kind of lost one of the years because of COVID and everything. We get that, we understand it. Is is culturally, like, is there any difference in the culture of football the way you've seen it here in, in Toronto, in Ontario versus to what you experienced back home? And of course, the sample size is outrageously different in, t- in, different in terms of the years you spent playing there. But do you think that even within Canada, when we, you know, the, however many kilometers it is to get from Surrey to Toronto, do you think there's any difference just in the way the game's approached or is it pretty much the same song and dance, would you say, across the country? There's definitely a difference. I know in BC, like, High school teams that play American rules. You, know, you play like you play Canadian rules, so that's a big difference. But also like almost coming from like BC to Ontario, like at base football, not only like not only skill level, but like effort level on like coming kind of between Canada and US sort of it's a big difference. Like I came out here and like there's more like I feel like people are taught more knowledge in Ontario sooner than they are in BC. What do you think that is? I think it's just like in BC there's like it's not as many people, obviously, but like, there's like other things to do, and like people don't like people don't like just focus on like football using BC. It's usually other aspects to focus on. Yeah, hey, you guys are you guys are too chill out there. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and on the BC note, I just had to make mention that I couldn't have imagined, and I lo- I love when I read this. I couldn't have imagined a more BC degree for any student to be taking than forestry conservation. So somewhat on a separate note, just because I'm just curious about that, um, forestry conservation. What like what was your choice going into that? Because that's that doesn't that seems a little different from just uh you know, I'm just gonna take an arts degree so I can play football, get through university, and be done with it. This seems like something that perhaps has more of a purpose or am I wrong in speculating that? No, you're right. I always like, always like walking through the forest. Like when I was little, I used to like, I had a, I had a tree plant in my backyard for like years. And I moved away. I wanted to take it with me. <laughs> and it's like going camping, just being in BC, you kind of experience the woods more, the big trees. It's nice. Yeah. That's you, got any, you got any sequoias near where you live out there? I don't know. Just like tall evergreens mostly. Oh man. 
my one experience in California, I got to be in the redwood forests along uh, up near like San Francisco. It'll change your life being near those trees. So love that you're uh, you're representing the forests out there, and you're going to help keep them, uh, you know, keep them for future generations. Um, Quinn, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, really appreciate you talking about a subject that's obviously can be very personal for a lot of people. Um, you know. Best of luck in your training going into what we're hoping is our 2021 OUA season. Hopefully, maybe a little spring camp coming up. Knock on wood that we get uh, we get our football back. Of course, not at the expense of anyone's safety. Uh, so all the best to you. Uh, take care, man. Yeah, thank you, Take care.